Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Morning, everyone. So we are continuing our What Three Words series today, and today the three words we're looking at are being with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you you guys in the room, but I have this thing where I can tell if a person's been with Jesus. I feel like it just oozes from them, and they just have this presence about them, don't they? They have this uh, peace, and it shines bright, it like radiates from them. Um, And it's the same for us. When we spent time with Jesus and in his presence, everything just feels lighter, doesn't it? I feel like I have this sense about people, like a magnetic pull, like Spider-Man has his spider senses. I'm like, ooh, when I see it in someone, like, please tell me everything that God is doing in your life because it gets me so excited. I do have to practice self-control. I am aware. I can get a bit intense at times. Um... Yeah, but I just want to know everything that God's doing in people's lives because there's power in testimony, isn't there? And I just love hearing stories about how God's worked things through for people. So I'm going to get back on track. Um, I'm going to look at today's... uh, We have four points to go through. And the first point, we're going to read some scripture, actually. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. So the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Cephas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the, co- the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw this courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What a passage. It's one of my favorites, especially that end section, but I just want to pull a few bits out of that. So a bit of context in the background. A few months prior to this point, <clears throat> after Jesus was arrested and he was brought before the high priest, he denied knowing uh, Christ not once but three times, just as Jesus said he would. He feared what would happen if he was even associated with him. Even though he had spent lots of time with Jesus before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and before Jesus' helper came in the form of the Holy Spirit, In his own flesh, he was a scared man. He didn't even have the courage to admit that he was mates with Jesus. And now fast forward to this moment here in chapter 4, and the transformation is astounding. 
He would have spent time in prayer with God and Jesus and being filled by the Holy Spirit. And with that, brought in courage, boldness, wisdom, and God's healing power. The same Holy Spirit which we have access to today, which still completely blows my mind. So this same Peter here, speaking to the rulers and the elders, he will, I, I like to think, remember Peter from when he denied Christ. Although a few months have passed, and that could be unlikely, but because we see such a transformation across the text, I like to think that they see it too and see the change in him. Yeah. Now here he is, boldly proclaiming the power of God and showing that power by healing a man, showing that power by speaking with such gusto that they know it's not from him. Yeah. They see this courage and they're astonished at what they are witnessing. They know that this courage is, not from, is from Jesus. What also blows my mind is that Peter and John are unschooled, ordinary men, just like you and just like me. Not that you're all unschooled and ordinary. I'm sure you're all special in your own way. But this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture for this reason. It shows us that God will use any one of us if we are willing and obedient. No matter what our background is, no matter what our education is, our ethnicity, past behaviours, traumas, sin, God will use all of us and will if we let him. So Peter chopped a guy's ears off, remember? So God used them in this moment to do an extraordinary thing. Healing a man and now this bold wisdom. It's just pouring out of Peter and it's just so cool. The Holy Spirit showed up in and through Peter and John They were filled and they acted in obedience. This is a dangerous situation they're in and they know it. They could be killed right here, right now by speaking and acting in this way. But they have no regard for their own safety. Unlike Peter, who we saw denying Christ over what would happen to him. They're just being obedient and acting on what they see. What the Holy Spirit revealed to them through Jesus' eyes. They just want to be used by God in that moment. And they are. They step out in, in faith. And trust that the Holy Spirit will lead their way and look after them. They are living by the Spirit, fully trusting in God, fully trusting in Jesus, and fully trusting in the Holy Spirit because they'd spent time with Jesus in prayer and being filled by the Holy Spirit. So I have four points. My first point, to have been with Jesus starts with being with Jesus. Simply put, right? Being with Jesus means being with the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? We need to be filled by the Holy Spirit, the same one that filled Peter in this, in John, Peter and John in Acts. So Galatians 5, to 25 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So let's just take a little look at the fruits of the Spirit and what the definitions are. So love, an intense feeling of deep affection. I know Daniel went through this really well a couple of weeks ago. I loved listening to his preach. Joy, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Peace, a stress-free state of security and calmness. Patience. The capacity to accept or calmly endure delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. That one's a challenge, isn't it? Kindness. The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Goodness. The quality of being morally good or virtuous, kind, helpful, honest. 
faithfulness, loyal, a place of trust and loyalty, firm in adherence to promises or in observance to duty. Gentleness, the quality of being kind, tender, mild-mannered, lightness and gentle. And self-control, the ability to control oneself, one's emotions and desires, especially in difficult situations. Restraint excised over one's own impulses, emotions, desires and movement. It's a challenging one, that one, isn't it? So if we're spending time with Jesus and we're being filled by his Holy Spirit, then these are the fruits that we should be seeing in ourselves, right? Are we able to go through that list and check every one of them off? I'm not sure I could. Not all the time, anyway. So imagine for a second holding up a mirror in front of you. Do you see all those fruits in you? In your thoughts? In your actions? In your prayers for people? In your private time? What do people really see in us? What are we like at church? Is that what we're like at work, school, college, with our neighbours? We need to be authentic in who we are in Christ all of the time. I certainly feel challenged by that. We could all probably use a little work on those things, right? So how much time are we spending with Jesus? Yes, God is everywhere all the time. So you could say actually lots. But I mean personal time with him, like raw, unfiltered time with him. The more time we spend in his presence, the more we become like him, the more we'll exert the fruits of the spirit, the more we see the world through his eyes. Our authentic selves in Christ is what we need to aim for. We are a constant work in progress and there's always room for improvement, always place for growth and correction. And if you think you're fine as you are, you'd be pretty wrong. Sorry. (laughs) So to keep in step with the spirit, we must spend time with the spirit. And allow him to fill us. Let him in. Let him do a work in us. We need to have a relationship with him. Which brings me on to my second point. Being with Jesus is having a relationship with Jesus. So the dictionary definition of of relationship varies depending on the type of relationship it is. Whether it's like romantic or friendship. But inevitably, it comes down to quality time spent together, mutual love and respect, connection, closeness, bond, being honest and truthful, and commitment. A relationship is a two-way decision, right? You can't have a relationship if you don't spend time with that person, can you? So there'll be people in this room now who you see every week, but you actually don't know anything about them. Am I wrong? Getting to know someone requires effort. Being in the same room with everyone for weeks, for years, doesn't mean you know a person properly. So how do you get to know them? You start with a conversation, an invitation to your home maybe. As friendship deepens, you let them in more. They know more about you, you know more about them. (coughs) Friendship is definitely developed, and then trust is developed, and then a relationship is formed. This works in the same way with Jesus. We can go to church on a Sunday and hear God's word, hear the gospel, but that doesn't mean we really know Jesus. Or spend, it doesn't mean we know him personally or spend enough time with him. A relationship with Jesus isn't just a Sunday morning service. That's just not good enough. That's not a relationship. That's an acquaintanceship. Jesus wants a relationship with us. So let's have a think about our relationship with Jesus. A meaningful relationship is a daily connection, right? It's getting to know Jesus intimately, 
listening to each other, drawing close to each other, letting him reveal himself to you more and more. Because the more you know about him, the more you want to know about him. The more time you spend with him, the more time you want to spend with him. He's completely contagious, and he changes everything for the good. Gets me really excited talking about So The Bible tells us he already knows everything about us, every hair on your head, every thought in your mind, every sin you do, and that doesn't change the way he feels about you. His relationship with you isn't based on your behavior or if you're waiting until you feel good enough, old enough, knowledgeable enough, et cetera, et cetera. He wants that relationship with you to start right now, as you are, exactly as you are right now. So don't put it off. The more time you spend with someone or something, the more it influences your behavior. Whatever or whoever you're giving your time, your thoughts and your energy to will affect you. So you need to make sure the goodness, the God, has the right higher ratio. So he must increase in us and we must decrease, which it says in John 3.30. Spending time with Jesus will influence you. There's no doubt about it. He can't not change you for the better. That's just who he is. That's the power of him and the Holy Spirit. So spending time with Jesus will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are all those things we looked at. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you are not admitting these things, then ultimately you're not spending enough time with Jesus. Sounds hard, right? Spending time with Jesus really does change everything. The way you think, the way you act, the way you feel, the way you speak, the way you see the world. Jesus should be our first fruits of the day. He'll set your day up right the way you need to go, so don't give him your last fruits or wait until it's convenient for you. Don't fit Jesus into your schedule. Set your schedule around him. The world wants to keep you distracted in like a zombie-like state, kind of like in standby mode. So don't stay in standby mode. He deserves your first each and every day. You need to wake up. Spending time with Jesus, it's cool and it's exciting. So you need to change your way of looking at it. Because seriously, if you don't think Jesus is cool and exciting, you need to... Let's go outside right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a chore and it's not a tick box. Well, it shouldn't be anyway. But I do understand it can be hard, especially if you're feeling far away from him. It takes discipline at first when you're not used to it. You do need to make an effort. I do get that. It takes effort to get a habit formed. Life is busy, I know. I've got four kids, a husband, two dogs, two jobs, and a few ministries are revolving, so I get it, time is tight. Yeah. Believe me, I really know it. But I know if I start my day with Jesus, it's going to be a good day. Yeah, I may face challenges throughout the day, and I often do, and I face tough situations. But I've invited Jesus into my day. So no matter what happens, I can draw near to him. My strength comes from him. And it takes discipline to get up earlier than needed. And it was an effort for me as well. But that time in the morning has become so precious and a complete joy. Definitely not a chore. Those days when I've not given my first fruits, I'm usually short-tempered, a bit cranky. I don't respond to situations the way that Jesus would. And I let my feelings get in the way. But it's usually when I've stayed up a bit later than I should, which also takes discipline to go to bed early, doesn't it? <clears throat> so those days are not as joyful. So just the other day, 
as some of you know, I do like a thought for the day on Instagram. I'm really sad, I know. But this day, last Wednesday, I overslept in the morning. And I went to work and we prayed as a team. But as the day had gone on, I knew that I hadn't had any personal time with God. And I was getting quite cranky and my thoughts were going a bit negatively. I was like, what's going on? So I got on Instagram and I called myself out on it and then went and sent myself away to have some private time with God. And immediately, I just felt lifted and filled. It's so important to draw close to him. Does this resonate with anyone? So let's pause and just take a moment in a slightly different direction. Imagine what the world would look like if everyone who confesses to know Jesus and be, or be a Christian just spent more time with Jesus. They committed to spending personal time with him each and every day and was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to live by the fruits of the Spirit. Can you imagine what the world would look like? It would look quite different, wouldn't it? Imagine if just everyone in this room now did that. Imagine the impact that would have. So at the, prayer mo- <coughs> the women's prayer morning a couple of weeks ago, I had this vivid vision come into my mind, like an image that I just thought, I don't know, I'll explain it to you. So it's not this image that's coming up, but it was the demonstration of the forks coming out. There was this source at the top, and from that source, it had like veins and roots coming out of it, and from those roots, it was spreading into more roots. And these roots were like dry at the bottom, but then this water started flowing through them, flowing into the bigger roots and into, and it was spreading and spreading. And then all these dry areas, they all started to flow. And I could see the living water moving through, and it was spreading and spreading and spreading. Jesus calls himself the living water, and he asks us in John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. And I really felt this was like an image of Warrington and the church. If we stay connected to our source, which is Jesus, he will flow through us, which will then flow into others and so on and so on and so on. But we must remain in him for him to spread his living waters. You see, spending time with Jesus, being with Jesus, allows him to shine and pour through us, enabling others to see his love and his light and those other fruits in us. That's how we share the gospel, by living out the gospel, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in us and through us like Peter in Acts. People see Jesus in us. Spending time with Jesus allows us to see the world through his eyes, showing us what he sees and teaching us how he would respond, which brings me on to my next point. God will use you if you spend time to listen to him. I find that during my quiet time with God, he often puts people on my heart to pray for, and sometimes he tells me to do something, I'll say something to someone. And quite honestly, I do question what I think God is saying to me. But I found this happening more quite recently. The more I act on the prompts, the more I feel I get. So there was this particular lady that popped into my mind when I was praying a few months back. Now, I knew this lady, but as an acquaintance, really, never really knew much about her or texted her, really. It was just churchy stuff. But anyway, she popped into my head along with a scripture and a message that I felt like I had to say to her. And then I had a battle whether I should send the message or not. And I thought, Lord, why on earth are you telling me to send this message? She's going to think I'm a complete weirdo. It's out of the blue. It's got no context or previous conversation to base it on. It's out of nowhere. 
And then I just felt this intense conviction. What if this was a, God, a way of God using me to answer a prayer for someone or reassure this person that God hears them? If that's right, I have to allow God to use me in that moment, even if I end up looking like a weirdo. So I wrote out the message, just as I felt God was saying, and I pressed send, and then I got this reply. You're going to have to read it. I don't want to read it out. It just confirmed to me that I was supposed to do that, and it was in God's time for that. So the more time I spend with Jesus, the more people... I feel he's sending my way to speak his truths into. Acting in obedience to his promptings is hard. I won't lie to you. It's really hard. I'm so shy and awkward and introverted. And in my natural, I struggle to speak to people. I have to ask God for help, as a lot of you know. It's ridiculous that I'm even stood in front of you now, like crazy ridiculous. Anyway, we need to allow God to use you. Allow his Holy Spirit to work through you. You could be an answer to someone's prayer. Someone who's longing to hear clearly from God. But it all starts by spending time with Jesus and listening to him. So a couple of weeks ago, a lady came into the grocery to ask if she could volunteer. And before I'd even said two sentences to her, I knew she loved Jesus. She was just radiating. And I was just like, oh, Spider tingles again. Tell me everything. And before I knew it, I was meant to be at work, but an hour had passed by, and we exchanged loads of stories about all the goodness that God had blessed us with, but also the challenges and the valleys that he'd got us through. Because it's not always roses. Life can be tough, and it is tough. But God gets us through. He really is our strength and our refuge, as Psalm 46 says. These opportunities to glorify God are so important. Get talking about Jesus with people. Not only does it encourage others, but it also encourages ourselves as we reflect and remember on all the goodness that God has done. It fires us up. It really fires us up and it gets us going and it's contagious and it's brilliant. And God is just so incredibly good. We should be shouting it from the rooftops, not keeping it to ourselves because you also don't know who is listening to your conversation. So let me tell you briefly about how I first heard about Jesus. It was in the back hall of the Bethel building, as you know the building, back in 2010. I was at a mums and tots group, and I overheard a couple of mums talking about church and Jesus. And looking back now, they'd been with Jesus. And having been with Jesus, they were talking about Jesus, because how can you not talk about Jesus if you've been with Jesus? Seriously. That conversation which I overheard was the seed that started my journey to Christ. And it wasn't intentionally shared with me. I was here, Wigan. Sorry, Jesus. But the Holy Spirit used their conversation, which ultimately led to my salvation. And it's mad how to think that conversation can have that effect. Talk about Jesus. Talk about his goodness. Talk about the good times and the hard times because there's power in testimony of the things God has done. There's power in your testimony of your journey to faith in Jesus. No matter what your story is, it's powerful because it's unique and your own with God. So unbelievably powerful. You don't know what people are going through or how they can relate, but you've got to know that there's always someone listening, whether it's God or a random woman at Tots here, Wigan. 
a man on the bus, or someone feeling really broken and lost on the next table in the coffee shop. You just don't know. But glorify God by sharing the good things he has done, as well as the tough things that he's got you through. And last Sunday, the last two of my girls got baptized. It was an emotional time. And now I celebrate as four of my girls, my husband, we're all giving our life to Christ from that one seed. And it all started because somebody had been with Jesus, so was talking about Jesus. So four very simple and obvious steps to deepen your relationship with him. First, Bible. Read it. Listen to it. Daily devotion it. Break it down into small bite-sized sections. Read chunks. Whatever is right for you, just do it. It's God's living word. That's how he speaks to us. That's how he teaches us. Read it. How else is he going to communicate with you? I can't really reiterate how important it is to read your Bible. Secondly, prayer. Pray, 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 pray. Pray thanks. Have conversations with him. Ask him for help, advice. Just chat away. Just build that relationship through words, out loud, in private, with friends. Just get into a habit of praying and praising and developing that conversation with him. Jesus prayed a lot, so we should too. Worship, sing to him, praise him, shout it from the rooftops, have an attitude of gratitude for your saviour and express that. Action, put instructions into action. Whatever or whoever God puts on your heart, be obedient. Take a step of faith. Even if it fails, God sees your obedience still, but you could be answering someone's prayer or bringing encouragement when they're in a dark place. Why would you want to miss out on that? But don't just do one of these things. It's a combination of all four. Tickle all your taste buds, if you like. I'm coming into land now. So be someone who has been with Jesus. You don't know who is watching or listening, or who God will put on your path, or how the Holy Spirit will use you at any moment. Being with Jesus shines his light and his spirit through you into people and situations. The fruits of the Spirit radiate Jesus' goodness. It gives us eyes to see what he sees. God can answer prayers through us. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. So shine bright for him at every opportunity. Get conversations going. So many people are just a seed away from salvation. And it all starts with being with Jesus. So be someone who has been with Jesus. can I just ask everyone to just close their eyes for a moment if you sat here and listening to my ramblings and it's left you maybe with a feeling of conviction that you're not giving Jesus enough of your time or maybe you'd like to just make a commitment to trying harder to put him as a higher priority in your life Or maybe you're just feeling far away from the Lord at the moment and you just don't know how to get back on track. If any of those things stir something in you, can I just ask you to stand or raise your hand for a moment? I'd just like to pray for you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we need you. Every ounce of our being needs you. 
Lord, I pray for all those with their hands raised, for a deep hunger for you to be birthed in them, a thirst for you that can only be quenched when they draw near to you. Lord, I pray you increase in their lives. Any barriers or burdens which stand in the way, Lord, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus to knock them down. Anything that tries to attempt to get in the way of these people drawing closer to you and spending time with you, I pray, Lord, that you stand in the gap. Help us to decrease, Lord, so that you increase in us. Fill us afresh with your spirit so only you, Lord, shine through us. Help us to be people who ooze the fruits of the spirit. Help us to prioritize our time with you. Lord, help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.